You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. I looked up and there before me was a ram with two horns standing beside the canal and the horns were long one of the horns was longer than the other one but grew up later I watched the ram as he charged toward the west and the north and the south no animal could stand against him and none could rescue from his power this is one bad ram he did as he pleased he became great Sometimes you might wish that you could know what the future holds so that you could prepare yourself for what's going to happen. Well, in today's edition of The Living Word, Pastor Danny teaches that God shares a vision of the future with Daniel. Captured by the Babylonians, Daniel is serving the King Balthazar when God shows him what's going to happen later. Pastor Danny will explain how this extremely detailed prophetic dream is fulfilled historically, but points to what is yet to come in the end times. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Daniel chapter 8 as he begins his message, A Troubling Vision of the Future. chapter 8. This is not a really great message for those unfamiliar with the Bible. Uh, It's pretty deep. It's pretty detailed. Uh, I make no apology for that. It's part of the Word of God. Uh, I'm going to teach it the best I can. I'm going to try to lay it out so everybody, uh, even the one that doesn't know a lot about the Bible, can understand it. But in trying to do that, getting there, uh, you may fall asleep. If you do, If you do, hopefully someone near you will wake you back up near the end of the message because at the end of the message, I'm going to put it on a level that if you don't get it, nobody can help you. So if you don't get it at the end, you're just not going to get it. Daniel is in Babylon. It's called the Babylonian captivity. Israel has once again worshipped foreign gods, Uh, idols, and uh, God has sent Babylon to judge them. Babylon is ruling. Babylon is reigning. The initial king of Babylon was Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel is in Babylon. He's been deported from Israel into the land of Babylon as a young man. He's been castrated. He's been made a eunuch. He's been put to serve the kingdom and the king of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar has come and gone. And now his grandson, Belshazzar, is reigning. Daniel will be in Babylon for the whole Babylonian captivity, which God prophesied would be 70 years. 
during the first year of King Belshazzar, Daniel has a dream. If you were with us, you know it was more than a dream. It was a nightmare. It was a prophetic nightmare. It was about the future. And there were some awful things that God predicts that will take place before the end of time as we know it in the second coming of Jesus Christ. Well, now, chapter 8, look at how it opens. In the third year of Belshazzar's reign, so now, third year, I, Daniel, had a vision. And after the one that had already appeared to me, so this is after the dream, which happened in the first year of Belshazzar's reign. In my vision, I saw myself in the citadel of Susa in the province of Elam. In the vision, I was beside the Ulai Canal. Now, if you're interested, this is the same location as the book of Esther takes place. This is also the same area where another Bible character was serving another foreign king in the day. Nehemiah was cupbearer to a king in this same area. So Daniel's in his vision. He's in the province of Elam, the citadel of Susa. Verse 3, I looked up, and there before me was a ram with two horns standing beside the canal. And the horns were long. One of the horns was longer than the other one, but grew up later. I watched the ram as he charged toward the west and the north and the south. No animal could stand against him, and none could rescue from his power. This is one bad ram. He did as he pleased. He became great. But as I was thinking about this, suddenly a goat with a prominent horn between his eyes. Interesting goat. He's got a horn between his eyes. He came from the west, crossing the whole earth without touching the ground. He's a flying goat. He came toward the two-horned ram I had seen standing beside the canal and charged at him in great rage. I saw him attack the ram furiously, striking the ram, shattering his two horns. The ram was powerless to stand against him. The goat knocked him to the ground, trampled on him. None could rescue the ram from his power. The goat became very great. But at the height of his power, his large horn, which was between his eyes, was broken off. And at its place, four prominent horns grew up toward the four winds of heaven. Four winds of heaven in the Bible just speaks of the breadth of the earth. Out of one of them, one of the horns, came another horn, which started small but grew in power to the south, to the east, and toward the beautiful land. The beautiful land is the land of Israel. It grew until it reached the host of the heavens, and it threw some of the starry hosts down to the earth and trampled on them. Some scholars believe that refers to the people of Israel. Some believe it refers to God's angels. We're not totally sure. It set itself up to be as great as the prince of the host. We believe that is Jesus. It took away the daily sacrifice from him. And the place of his sanctuary was brought low. Because of rebellion, the hosts of the saints and the daily sacrifice were given over to it. It prospered in everything it did. And truth was thrown to the ground. Then I heard a holy one speaking. And another holy one said to him, how long will it take for the vision to be fulfilled? The vision concerning the daily sacrifice, the rebellion that causes desolation, and the surrender of the sanctuary and of the host that will be trampled underfoot. Now again, hang on here because this is a lot of detail. But the Bible is so specific here in answer to Daniel's question. How long 
after the desecration, basically, of the sacrifice in the temple. And he said to me, it'll take 2,300 evenings and mornings. Then the sanctuary will be reconsecrated. That's a very important prophecy. It's 1,150 days, and it's very specific. Verse 15, while I, Daniel, was watching the vision and trying to understand it, there before me stood one who looked like a man. And I heard a man's voice from the Ulai Canal calling, Gabriel, tell this man the meaning of the vision. Gabriel, he's a top dog for God. He's a top angel, mighty angel. Gabriel is the one that announced the conception and birth of John the Baptist. He was the one that announced the conception and the birth of the Christ. And so Gabriel, as he came near the place where I was standing, I was terrified, fell prostrate, fell prostrate. He fainted. And while he's down on the ground, he said to me, son of man, understand that the vision concerns the time of the end. And while he was speaking to me, I was in a deep sleep. Didn't hear a thing he said. <laughs> With my face to the ground. I mean, he falls flat on his face. Not the first time in the Bible when God has a mighty angel appear to them that they faint. What happened to Daniel? He faints. And then he touched me. He raised me to my feet. And he said, I'm going to tell you what will happen later in the time of wrath. The time of wrath, trust me, in the Bible is a time known as the great tribulation or the time of Jacob's trouble. It's yet future. It's going to be an awful time for the people of Israel because the vision concerns the appointed time of the end. The two-horned ram that you saw represents the kings of Media and Persia. The shaggy goat is the king of Greece, and the large horn between his eyes is the first king. That's Alexander the Great. The four horns that replace the one that was broken off represent four kingdoms that will emerge from his nation but will not have the same power. In the latter part of their reign, when rebels have become completely wicked, a stern-faced king, a master of intrigue will arise. He'll become very strong, but not by his own power. That's interesting. He will cause astounding devastation and will succeed in whatever he does. He'll destroy the mighty men and the holy people. That's servants of God, and it refers to Israel as well. He will cause deceit to prosper. He'll consider himself superior. When they feel secure, he will destroy many and take his stand against the prince of princes. That's Jesus. Yet he will be destroyed but not by human power. So he gets his power beyond human power, and he's destroyed, but it takes more than human power to destroy him. The vision of the evenings and the mornings that has been given to you is true, but seal up the vision, for it concerns the distant future. Stop there for a minute. I don't want you to misunderstand what God is saying to Daniel here about sealing up the vision. It doesn't mean don't tell anybody. It doesn't mean don't share it. It means just the opposite. Record it carefully because even though Daniel won't completely understand it, future generations will. And notice the last verse, verse 27. I, Daniel, was exhausted and lay ill for several days. He called in sick. 
Then I got up and went about the king's business. I was appalled by the vision. It was beyond understanding. Now here's where you got to hang on. Hang on. Try to stay awake. If you do fall asleep, hopefully somebody will wake you up at the end. Daniel chapter 7, prophetic nightmare. God shows Daniel in his dream the future. Babylon, Babylon would come and go. Medo-Persia would come and go. Greece would come and go. Rome would come and go. And in the time of the end, just prior to Christ's return, a revived Roman Empire and this person that the Bible refers to as Antichrist will be ruling and reigning. This is another prophetic vision. But Daniel did not enjoy the dream of chapter 7, and he enjoys this vision of chapter 8 even less. This one literally makes him sick, and he's appalled. He doesn't get it. He doesn't like it. What he does understand, he doesn't like, and what he doesn't understand, he wants to know. Now, Despite the truth revealed that one day all the saints would reign with Christ. And that's in Daniel chapter 7 very clearly. And it's implied here. Because this figure that gets the upper hand on God's people in the end will be destroyed, but not by human power. That's what the text says. But it's only that much of the text. The majority of the text is this guy doing what he pleases. So, Despite the truth revealed that one day all the saints would reign with Christ forever, the painful future prior to this becoming reality caused Daniel great anxiety. And Daniel had some disadvantages. You know what they are? Okay, I'm going to tell you. One, he had no historical perspective. Now, we're going to look at this in detail, and if you stay awake, you're going to see some amazing things in regard to what God said that's already been fulfilled historically. But Daniel's looking into the future, and this is pointing into the future. Not just the end times, but things that refer to the end times that was going to happen just a few years after Daniel. But he has no historical perspective. We do. He doesn't have the book of Revelation. I said it before, I'll say it again. The book of Revelation is a sister book to the book of Daniel, they go together. So many of the prophecies are exactly the same. But Daniel did not have historical perspective, and he did not have the book of the Revelation. Now, what Daniel is told and what we know for certain from the passage, we know the ram is Medo-Persia. The text tells us that. It's very interesting when you go back to verse 3, Verse 3, two horns on the ram, and the horns were long, and one of the horns was longer than the other but grew up later. Why was, why was that? Same as in the last vision, and the one in chapter 2, speaking of the Medes and the Persians, one was dominant over the other even though they were allies together. The Persians dominated the Medes, but they were allied together. Verse 4, Wow. The ram, he charged toward the west and the north and the south. History records that the Medes and the Persians conquered lands in each of those directions. I can tell you're getting tired. Okay, the goat we know is Greece. The text tells us that. 
Alexander the Great and the kingdom of Greece. It's come, it's gone. Amazing the specifics here. Verse 5 of our text, chapter 8. Suddenly a goat with a prominent horn came from the west. Came from the west. Greece is west of Medo-Persia. Alexander the Great, this goat, he has a prominent horn. Where's the horn? It's between his eyes. Why is that? Because the dude was smart. He was naturally smart, gifted by God that way, but he also studied under a man. You might have heard his name, Aristotle. Alexander the Great's army was smaller than many armies that he went up against, but he devised, through his intelligence, this new military formation called the phalanx or something like that. New military formation, and he would take his smaller army and he would roll over larger armies. It's fascinating. It tells us in verse 6, came toward the two-horned ram. I saw him attack the ram. And he comes from the west. He crosses the whole earth without touching the ground. His conquest, so swift. Fascinating. He attacked Egypt, south. He attacked Armenia, which is modern-day Iran, east. And then he attacked the beautiful land, the land of Israel. Alexander the Great, interestingly enough, he died at age 32. When he died, suddenly, they divided up his empire, which was vast, to his four top generals. The first, Cassander, he got Macedonia and Greece. The second, Lysimachus, he got Thrace and Western Asia Minor. The third general, Ptolemy, he got Egypt, North Africa, Palestine, Cilicia, and Cyprus. This is all historical record. The one horn broken off, four horns in its place, that's his four generals. The fourth one is the most fascinating. It's called the Seleucid dynasty, Seleucus. He got East Asia, Northern Syria, and Mesopotamia. Verse 9, out of one of them came another horn, which started small but grew in power to the south, to the east, and toward the beautiful land. And that's what I said a minute ago. I meant to refer to this guy. He goes these directions, including the land of Israel, and he gets very powerful. And some of the things he does, the atrocities he committed, Seleucus, from him comes this little horn, which grows and becomes this great leader. He's the eighth king of Greece. He killed a multitude of Jews during his reign. He made possession of the Hebrew Scriptures a capital offense. He forbade Jews from circumcising their children. He forced them to offer unclean sacrifices, even forcing them to eat swine meat. Verse 11 of our text tells us, It set itself up to be as great as the prince of the host. That's Christ. And Tychus Epiphanes, and his name means illustrious one, or God manifest is the first ruler to put an inscription on a coin in which he claimed to be God. The Jews changed his name from Epiphanes to Epimenes, which means madman. 
his oppressive policies came to a head in December of 167 BC. At this time, he sent his general, whose name was Apollonius, with 20,000 troops under orders to seize Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. He erected an idol in the temple in Jerusalem. He offered pig's blood on the altar, an act that the Jews considered to be the abomination of desolation. Absolutely fascinating. But a Jew named Judas Maccabeus, he got pretty tired of Antiochus Epiphanes. So much so he decided to do something. He led a revolt. And in a fairly short amount of time, he ended up being victorious over Antiochus Epiphanes. On December the 14th, 163 B.C., Judas Maccabeus rededicated the Jerusalem temple to God and recommenced the daily sacrifices. The victory over Antiochus Epiphanes in history by Judas Maccabeus and those that followed him is still celebrated today by the Jews, and some Jews don't even know why they celebrate it. It's called Hanukkah. And the word Hanukkah means dedication. And it has to do with rededicating the temple and the altar and the daily sacrifices to honor God because it had been desecrated by this evil ruler named Antiochus Epiphanes. It's interesting, he wasn't even the rightful heir to the throne. His brother was, but he murdered his own brother. And he began a reign of oppression and deceit and evil. Absolutely fascinating. Now, you might want to wake your neighbor up. Wake your neighbor up because uh, uh, here's the vital information in the text of Daniel chapter 8. Here's what Daniel 8 tells us. The vision concerns the end times. Wait a minute. I thought we're talking about history and Antiochus Epiphanes. Yeah, but he's a representation, a type of a future ruler. The Bible calls him the Antichrist. We know from the text the fulfillment takes place during the time of wrath or the great tribulation, yet future. You say, I'm still lost. Okay. Try to put the pieces together. Daniel 2 and Daniel 7, very clear prophecies of the future and of the end. Daniel chapter 8, very, very detailed even down to the point of telling us exactly how many mornings and evenings, how many days between the atrocities of Judas Maccabeus in defiling the altar in the temple in Jerusalem and God using Judas Maccabeus to rededicate the temple and the altar and to start the sacrifices to God again. Antiochus Epiphanes is a figure in history that represents this person the Bible calls the Antichrist. Judas Maccabeus is a real figure of history that represents the second coming of Jesus Christ when he destroys the work of Antichrist who the Bible tells us will stand in the temple of God proclaiming himself to be God and commit what is called the abomination of desolation. Forever. We come 
Thanks for joining us today to study the book of Daniel on the Living Word. You can check out more of Pastor Danny's teachings throughout the Bible at our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on the latest videos. If you have any questions or would simply like to talk with us, please send us an email. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you when you send us that email. In addition to that, we'd love to meet you in person. If you're ever in the St. Petersburg area, feel free to join us for our weekly church services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. We're also live streaming our services for those who are at home or live further away. We look forward to worshiping with you. You can find out more on our website. Once more, that was ccfstpete.church. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Join Pastor Danny next time for more from the book of Daniel right here on The Living Word.